Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery, our true crime podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Heather, and I know absolutely nothing about true crime. And my name is Jillian, and I consider myself somewhat of a true crime expert. Yes, Jill is our resident true crime expert. And we created this podcast so that Jill could teach me about all things true crime, both locally and nationally, and to take you guys along for the journey, so that if you too know nothing about true crime, you can learn something. Or maybe hear another perspective about stories you already know. So today's case was a request, and it was requested by my lovely cousin, Phoenix. And there is a specific reason that she chose this case, but we'll get more into that at the end. So for now, let's just jump in. I do want to say that this case contains mention of child death and uh, torture and also contains mention of animal abuse. So listener discretion is advised. I liked last week. (laughs) I'm very excited for last week's. Well, you guys, (laughs) hopefully, I don't know. If you haven't listened to it, go ahead and listen to it. Uh, This one's a much needed break from the child torture and death. (laughs) Yeah. Which to me is just like the hardest thing to hear about. Right. Well, not that I like anybody being tortured or dying, but like children is extra hard. Yeah. This one... This one's a doozy. I was going to say that. Let I was just like, say I'm it for not you. saying that this week. <laughs> They're all bad. <laughs> all children deaths are terrible. Yeah, that's pretty sad. So um, this one, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to assume you've already heard about, but we'll just do it anyway, just because okay. I like this one. And okay. uh, not that I like it, but this one's, you'll find out at the end why I think this one is extra cool. Not that it's cool. Death isn't cool. I'm done. say, what is going on? I'm yeah. confused. I guess we'll find out. It'll make sense in the end. Okay. So I want to do a little different and just get straight into the bad guy's story. So we're going to start around May 16th of 1861. 1861. Yep. Taking it back. Okay. (laughs) Gilmanton, New Hampshire. This was when Herman Webster Mudgett was born. Herman was born into a well-off family and lived a pretty well-off life. It was said growing up that he was oddly intelligent and very advanced for his age. But at the age of five, Herman was traumatized by two older kids at his school. At this time, Herman was terrified of doctors and death, so the kids forced him to go into a doctor's office until he came face-to-face with the skeleton they had on display. Later on, possibly because of this experience, Herman was very interested in medical stuff and medicine and allegedly would perform surgery on animals for practice growing up which i think like we've said many times before is serial killer 101 telltale sign exactly uh he also is said to be possibly responsible for a friend's death as well though there's not very much information on that and there's no way to know if he did it but i wouldn't really be surprised so uh herman was also fascinated with skeletons and death at the age of 16, he graduated high school and then went on to study medicine. At the age of 16, he graduated high school? Yeah, it was said he was uh, very intelligent. Apparently. Oh, I know, but I'm just surprised. I mean, I know there are like prodigy kids who graduate early now, but I'm just surprised. Yeah, so, well, he, he graduated at 16 and then uh, went on to study medicine right after that at a small school in Vermont. And at 17, he married Clara Lovering. And the two would go on to have a son two years later. After studying, uh, after sometime studying medicine at the small school, 
He was then accepted into the University of Michigan Medical School, where he began stealing cadavers, which are, like, dead bodies. Um, absolutely not okay. Yep. He would steal them from the laboratory. What on earth? And then he would take these bodies. I would like to say that I had cadaver lab when I went to school, and... I was, like, the only person who did not get over the experience. I was utterly horrified the entire time I was inside the room. I bet. Like, other people were like, oh, this is such a good learning opportunity. And it is. Like, people have donated their bodies for this purpose, and I understand that. And, like, they've given science a gift, right? Right. But I personally had such a hard time, like, separating the experiences. Like, this... To me, it was like it was a person, mm-hmm. not like something to learn from. It was very hard on me. So yeah. the, hey. the thought the thought of ever stepping in that room again ever in my life, even if someone tried to like pay me, I don't know that I would do it. And um, the thought of taking one of them home with me is like utterly terrifying. Yeah, I do want to say that um, I didn't know that you worked with cadavers and my granny donated her body to science. Really? Yeah. It was really hard on me, like yeah. truly really hard on me. I had nightmares about it every night for probably six months. Mm. And like the thing about it is the way that the human mind works is like whenever you learn something new at nighttime, you have dreams about it to like solidify the new learning into like long-term memories. So when you learn a new skill for soccer or like you learn multiplication tables like your brain goes over that at nighttime so the problem was i was going to the cadaver lab and i was learning and i went every week like i had to Mm -hmm. and then i would go home and go to sleep and my brain would go over all of my new learning and i would like wake up in a sweat because i was dreaming about cadavers which are dead bodies of people so it was very scary to me and like I said, everybody made jokes about me. That's I, not... I get it. No, really. It was really bad. Like, but yeah, but why... I was really bad. They shouldn't be making jokes about that. I mean, it's Nobody not like you're really going... mean to me, but, like, they would be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, most of the time, people were like, I have a partner who doesn't do anything. And I was like, dude, that's me in my group. And then my group would be like, no, really, she literally doesn't do anything. And I was like... I'll buy you all drinks at the end of the semester. I don't care. Like, but I can't do it. I had the book memorized. My lab partners, which like, like I said, we joked about how I didn't do anything, but they would be like, um, where is blah, 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 blah muscle. And I'd be like, um, the diagram is on page 174 and that muscle's on the bottom half of the page and it's next to blah, 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 blah. And they would flip to page 174 and they'd be like, oh my God. How did you know that? And then like 10 minutes later, where's blah, blah, blah. Oh, that one. Yeah, flip to 182. And they would flip to 182. There it was. I had the book memorized because I would hide behind the book so I wouldn't have to see the body. Isn't that hilarious? That's so sad though. I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm fine. Our lab was also in the basement, which was very creepy to me. Mm. So then it was like the thought of like wheeling one of the cadavers out on their little cart and like stealing it is just unimaginable to me. Well, he did have, he wasn't just taking, I don't want to say he wasn't just taking them for fun, but what he did was he would take the cadavers and then he would take out insurance claims on them and then he would like burn or like disfigure them and plant them somewhere. Plant? Yeah, like plant them to make it look like they had an accident, like, you know, had like some horrific accident so that he would get the insurance money from their death. 
Okay. So, but of course this was, you know, they didn't have much investigation back then. So he got away with this quite quite a bit. And so... Um, would, I am so confused by this person. Yeah, he would collect uh, the insurance money. And then while he was in school, he actually got married again, even though he was still married to Clara. Oh, two wives. Yeah, well, now three. Because he got he did that again. And it was... The days are a little foggy. But then he married... His second wife would be Marta Belknap. And they had a daughter. And then he got married to a third person while still married to all these other people named Georgina Yoke. He never was, I don't know, he just had all these wives. So. I know I'm supposed to have heard this story, but this is just not ringing a bell. It it might not until the very end, but it might in the middle. It might hear in it. Okay. I'm uh, just like thinking really hard about like everybody that I have heard about and I'm like, this person just does not sound familiar to me. Well. Yet. Yet. Because I'm like 99% sure by the end of this you'll realize Well, you've said that before. I have said that before, (laughs) and I have been wrong. (laughs) Okay, continue on. Okay, so in 1884, Herman graduated and did his apprenticeship under Dr. Nam White. And in 1885, Herman moved to Chicago, Illinois. This is where he worked at a pharmacy. And uh, because he had a pretty long rap sheet at this point, not only from the cadaver theft and the insurance fraud, but... he was caught then. He did get, he did get caught. Before or after or he graduated. Or I'm not, so I feel like it was like one of those things where like, they were like, hey, like, don't do that anymore. But he was never like convicted. He never got arrested. Okay. So, but I, or it may be not even that nobody caught on, but like rumors were spreaded around or something like that. Okay. I'm just curious if they let him graduate knowing that he did that because that would be crazy. Yeah. I don't, I do know that he never went, he never got arrested for it. Okay. But whether or not they started to, because- a lot of the things that he did, like, uh, with, there was a young boy that he was the last person to see, and then the boy went missing, and then when they questioned him, he said that he had no involvement, but before the, an investigation could begin, he, like, dipped town. Oh. And suspicious. then, yeah, and at another point, um, when he was working in Philadelphia at a drugstore, um, a, a young boy who took medicine from him, um, ended up dying, and then, he obviously de- denied it, but then again, dipped town before they could start an investigation. So, um, obviously, with all the flack around That's him. A very suspicious pattern. Right. He ended up changing his name. Oh. And he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes. While working at this pharmacy in Chicago, the owner passed away. And he left his wife to run the store. Uh, Henry then, quote unquote, convinced the widow to buy the store. But she soon disappeared and was never seen again after he allegedly bought it. But he claimed that she moved to California. Henry then was able to buy an empty lot across the street from the pharmacy. And in 1889, began to build a three-story, like, multi-purpose building that was supposed to be, like, a hotel, like, with shops and all sorts of stuff. And the locals began calling it the castle. So during the build, Henry hired and fired a bunch of contractors and construction workers mid-process. This was allegedly so no one so no one person knew the ins and the outs of the hotel and mainly to not arise suspicion because he was building a murder castle. This murder castle including doors that opened to brick walls, 
Rooms with no windows, stairs that went to nowhere, chutes, peepholes, soundproof rooms, trapdoors, and gas jets built into the walls. It also had a kiln in the basement and a walk-in bank vault. Finally, around 1891 to 1892, the hotel was finished, and Henry began to put ads in the local paper offering jobs to young women, as well as advertising it as a, like, lodging place. He also had ads that showed himself as, like, a rich man who was looking for a wife, even though he had three, I don't know. Um, But soon, this got him many employees and guests staying at the hotel, and even got him girlfriends and fiancés. But what apparently didn't seem odd to any of them was that they were all required to take out life insurance policies. Like, with, like, the wives, like, I get it, kind of. But, like, your employees and even guests that stayed at the hotel all had to take out life insurance policies. And they had to make Henry the beneficiary. And in return, he would pay the premiums. But, as you could probably imagine, most of them disappeared with locals saying most of the women who entered the castle were never seen leaving it. Uh, the first floor of the castle... This is very frightening. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. I'm sorry. No, it, it is. It's, like, it's creepy, and, like, I'm, like, I am, like, 99% sure this is where that uh, season of American Horror Story, like, hotel was, like, loosely based off of. Um, I have not seen that. I, I, see I watched... I didn't finish it, but I started it that season. Yeah. The first floor of the castle had a pharmacy and several other stores in it. And the upper two levels had Henry's office along with over 100 rooms, which were soundproofed and contained a gas line so that Henry could trap and kill guests whenever he felt like it. And the basement was like Henry's lab, complete with a dissection table, a stretching rack, and... The kiln that I mentioned earlier that was most likely used as a crematory. Occasionally, Henry would take his victims and strip them to their skeleton, which he would then sell to medical schools. So, obviously, this dude was, like, a professional, though we don't know too much about all of his victims. One of his first victims in the murder castle was thought to be Julia Smith, who was caught having an affair with Henry Julia was the wife of Alex Connor, who worked at the jewelry counter of the hotel pharmacy, but Alex quickly moved away after learning of the affair and left his wife and his six-year-old daughter, Pearl, at the hotel. Julia and Pearl were last seen on Christmas of 1891. Um, Henry claimed that Julia died from a uh, failed abortion, though that doesn't mention anything about her daughter and Nowhere mentions anything, but I think we can only assume. Yeah. Many other unknown women disappeared, but a few we know for sure are ID'd as Emmeline Sigrande, who worked at the shops as well, and Minnie Williams, who was an actress staying there during the World Fair. Also with Minnie, her sister, Nanny Williams. Speaking of that, let's go to 1893, uh, when the World's Fair came to Chicago. Henry had plans to rent out the second floor as a hotel to guests attending the fair. I'm sure Minnie was not his only victim during this time, but as the fair came to a close in October of 1893, the insurance people started to suspect Henry of fraud, so he had to flee to Chicago and abandon the murder castle. Flee to to Chicago to abandon the murder? I thought the murder castle was in Chicago. Oh, I'm sorry. 
So he had to flee Chicago and abandon the murder castle. So he fled. Um, and this is when him and his partner, Benjamin Pietzel, traveled all over the United States committing and part of Canada, committing insurance fraud. So a little bit more about Benjamin. Remember that. Henry met Benjamin during the construction of his hotel in 1889. Benjamin was working as a carpenter. Um, he was one of the few people that Henry actually trusted. So uh, Henry kept him around as a partner. Benjamin was married to Carrie Canning of Galva, Illinois, and they had five kids together. Though they were business partners and obviously doing fraud and scams together, it is unknown if Benjamin knew of Henry's killing tendencies. They also would steal horses from Texas and have them shipped to St. Louis to be sold. This was until July of 1894, when Henry was arrested in St. Louis for the first time in his career. He was only arrested for the horse thing, though, um, and he was charged with selling mortgaged goods, which I think is like stolen goods. I don't know. But during his incarceration, he was cellmates with Marion Hedgepath, who was serving 25 years. Henry told Marion that he planned to fake his own death and that it would result in him getting $10,000, which in today's money would be about $334,306.98. He told Marion that if he would help him get a good lawyer to work with him, that he would give him $500 of his cut. So obviously Marion said yes, but unfortunately when Henry was released, he tried this scam and it did not work. This was when he decided to try again, but instead of Henry faking his death, he would fake the death of his business partner, Benjamin. Benjamin agreed and they planned to split the money 50-50, and it would go down that Benjamin would pretend to be an inventor named B.F. Perry, who would die in a lab explosion. But it wouldn't really be Benjamin, it would be a cadaver that they stole. While that sounded like a good plan, it really didn't go that way, as instead of the cadaver, Henry lit Benjamin on fire instead and killed him. Of course, not knowing that Henry killed her husband, Carrie, Benjamin's wife, let three of her children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, ages 15, 11, and 8, travel with Henry and Minnie Will travel with Henry and Minnie Williams, who we mentioned earlier. Um, she thought they were going to be traveling London, but instead Henry kept them locked up in hotels across the Midwest, and at some point they were considered missing children. Henry did mess up because he forgot or possibly just didn't want to pay Marion the $500 he promised. So in return, Marion told the police what happened. And at this time, Henry was already wanted for a burglary in Texas, but now was wanted for Benjamin's murder. He was eventually caught and arrested and they raided his home. It appeared that he was about to flee the country. At this point, they then decided to search the murder castle, where they saw all of the torture methods, along with many dismembered and badly decomposed bodies. They were so badly decomposed that they were unsure of how many bodies were actually there. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, utterly insane. And how long had they been there? Because how long ago did he have to flee Chicago? I'm not good at math. One second, let me go back. That's okay. Uh, everybody that listens to this podcast, at least that. everyone who's listened to all the episodes <laughs> knows that about you. Yeah. Okay. So 
So he initially was arrested and like met that marrying guy in July of 1894, but he f- abandoned the murder castle in October of 1893. So it had been over a year. Okay. I thought it had been longer than that. They did a lot of traveling, I guess, in a short amount of time. Yeah, but it was unsure. I mean, it could have been like another year after that because he wasn't like convicted. No, I meant um for the how long the bodies had been there. Which I know that he had like started the murder murder castle before. Mm-hmm. So some of them had been there for much longer, but they'd been there for at least a year. Yeah. Which I mean, I don't know if they were embalmed, but I mean probably not if they were no, probably not. decomposing. Oh. Yeah, so they didn't know how many were there, but during the trial Henry confessed to the murder of twenty seven to twenty eight other people. Uh, apart from Benjamin, and he said that he murdered people in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto. However, the actual numbers of deaths were never determined. It could be as much as more than 200, according to some research. 200? Mm-hmm. Wow. Or it could be less than the 27. We'll never actually know because some of his alleged victims that he said in court were still alive. At the time of the court, which makes no sense. But I guess we'll just never really know because, yeah, you know. Um, but police searched quite a few of the areas that he had, like, mentioned. And in Toronto, they did find the body of Benjamin's three children. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> that makes me mad. Yeah. Um, Not that all of this does make me mad, but I just thought they were okay. That'll come into play later. Okay. Uh, so a lot of... A lot of Benjamin, not Benjamin's, he's passed away, sorry. A lot of Henry's claims about his life and what happened, like, didn't add up. But obviously, you can't believe everything that a monster says. Mm -hmm. But he did say that he was possessed by the devil, saying, quote, I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing, end quote. He ended up writing a 256-page account trying to prove his innocence, but in the end, he was convicted. And on May 7th of 1896, Henry Howard Holmes, also known as H.H. Holmes. You get it now? No. You've never heard of H.H. Holmes? No. Oh, my. Lanta. (laughs) Okay. All right. H.H. Holmes? Um, America's most likely first serial killer ever. I didn't know that. (sighs) Sorry. Well... Now I know H.H. H. Holmes is America's first serial killer. Right? Yep. Well, I'm so they sorry. Think they, <laughs> it's alleged that he's the first serial killer. They don't know for sure, but um, it's believed by a lot of people that he was America's first serial killer. H.H. H. Holmes. <laughs> so I know. I, I was for <laughs> sure about that one. Okay. Well. H.H. Um, H. Holmes. No, I really, that really does not ring a bell. That, that shocks me, because I thought that they would have talked about him in school or something. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but... <laughs> well, um... I don't remember a lot of what I learned in school. I think most people forget a lot of what they learn in school. True. And I know, we didn't learn that at my school, but... We I know even... that, like, it's not... I know it's, like, a myth that your brain makes space, but I feel like after going to graduate school and undergraduate school, um, there's just no more space for high school stuff in my brain. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. 
And they might not have. I don't know. I don't know how the public school works, but in my head, they remember talking about murderers, actually, like at all. H.H. Holmes, he was um, executed by hanging in Philadelphia County Prison. And as for the murder castle, it was remodeled and turned into Holmes Horror Castle, but shortly after, mysteriously burned to the ground, though two men were seen leaving the building before it exploded. The building itself was somewhat still intact before it was dozed, but now it is the Englewood Post Office. Creepy. I wouldn't want to work there. Mm -mm. Okay, so now this is the end. I said I wouldn't want to work in that building or anywhere near that building. No. Yeah, no way, no. But um, now this is the end. And remember, in the beginning, I said I would talk a little bit more about why Phoenix chose this case. Yes. Well, it's because she has a personal connection here. And through her, I have a personal connection. Okay. And I'll just say her quote. So she, she said, quote, I was on a haunted tour with my friend and her husband. The tour guide mentioned a story about a woman being brutally murdered and she said that there was a chance that she was one of H.H. H. Holmes's earlier victims while he was in St. Louis. My friend had a very prominent and visceral reaction, and the tour guide asked her what was wrong. She said that she had an immense distaste for him because he murdered her family. And and it turns out that her were both dyslexic in this family. So it was either her third or her fourth great-grandfather was Holmes's accomplice for a life insurance fraud scheme. End quote. So, our friends, I met her through Phoenix. Um, you met this girl? Yeah, her, one of her greats, grandpa was Benjamin Pietzel. Wow. Yeah, and of course we were redacting her name for privacy. Um, yeah. She's not a fan of H.H. H. Holmes. I could see why. It almost ended her, her family line. Well, yeah, because how many kids did they have? Five? Yeah. And he killed three. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Spooky. Right. Which... I, of course, I, like, I'd been to her house, had, like, game nights and everything, and that's just me. I would, like, lead with that when I met new people, but, like, <laughs> it was, like, years after that, and, like... Then you found out? My cousin messaged me and was, like, oh, my gosh, like, you won't believe what she just told me, and, like, told me that, and I was, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, which, of course, I mean, obviously... She's probably not pleased with that fact. No, I don't blame her, because, like, that... Exactly. Literally, almost, she wouldn't be here if well also he killed her family right that's what i'm saying and like almost completely ended her like entire family line which is like crazy which i understand why she would never mention it because or like just like bring that up at like parties Mm -hmm. that's not very fun fact i just find it very interesting that like i met a direct descendant of h.h holmes's business partner yeah no it's a it's a very interesting fact i mean i don't know that i would bring it up initially either just because like i said she's probably very unhappy with that fact mm-hmm. um and it's a very scary fact right and i feel like it takes i don't know actually i was gonna say i feel like it takes a certain person to be excited about that but i think a lot of people like true crime i think i'm one of few that are like very scared of it oh yeah, yeah. i mean like just by the sheer amount of like people that were at crime con it's well and it's just like all over social media and stuff like that too so i think I'm wrong, and most people probably would be very intrigued, but she probably gets tired of telling people about it, because she probably doesn't want to talk about it, you know? Yeah. That's just my opinion. Oh, yeah. But very cool that you met her, and that you know that fact about this crazy monster person. True. 
yeah, so um, thank you again, Phoenix, for the recommendation. And I think I think that's everything. Okay. Um, that was like I. You couldn't see my face, but I was like in utter shock the entire time you were talking. About I'm just surprised about all of it because I was surprised. like, what is going on? And like, I mean, the cadavers obviously set me off at first, but then he like purposefully is building stairways that lead to nowhere so he can trap people and gas lines so he can randomly murder people and why was nobody suspicious of him being like yeah but you need to take out a life insurance policy after you've seen six or seven of your co-workers go missing right. like you would think that people would start to put this together right which and i think the, he bought the pharmacy from the guy who died mysteriously mm-hmm. and he killed a child mysteriously and the wife allegedly i guess yeah and then the wife went missing. like this guy did a lot of things before people realized he was crazy that's why people were like there's like a lot of speculation about it and like oh maybe he like there's some people that are trying to say that like he wasn't even a serial killer and like it was all like but it's like there i feel like the number had to have been closer to 200 than to less than 20 you know well you're a serial killer at three right right but people i seen some people that were like in the, this century that we're like speculating that a lot of it was like rumors and myths and i'm just like i don't think i don't think so i and i know that we'll never know exactly what happened in the exact amount of people that he killed but like i still consider him a serial killer i mean even if he killed just benjamin's three children he's a serial killer right and we know that he also killed benjamin so it's at least four right so he's definitely a serial killer. Yeah, but there I there are some people that speculate that he didn't do any of that. Oh. And that and I don't think anybody's I think that I, the one that I had read said that they only could confirm that he did kill Benjamin because that was the only thing that was actually like recorded thoroughly. But I just feel like if there's rumors that you killed 200 people, you killed at least 3. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I have to in that, you know, torture castle the murder hotel or whatever it was, <laughs> that had been in business for a couple years. And yeah. I don't think he put all of that effort. Well, and they found bodies. Exactly. So, like, he definitely killed people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I think that he was a horrible person. And I'm surprised you never heard of him, which I, I guess it's good. <laughs> You're just living. I'm living my life unbothered. <laughs> and you know I'm just I mean? here to just ruin it every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm unbothered and thriving and Jill is bothering me i'm sorry <laughs> and i'm no longer I, thriving <laughs> i did when i tried to look up it took me so long to find last week's episode because it's a it was more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. i was trying to google like lighthearted true crime and it's like the you can't google that like it's just not a thing <laughs> well yeah because crime is not lighthearted, right but and then, it was a good change of pace for yeah all of the really scary ones yeah and then i tried to look up like crime that doesn't involve murder and it's like nothing's showing up makes sense so yeah anyway i think that's it okay well thank you for sharing thank you phoenix for requesting this case if you want to continue listening to our podcast you can find our episodes on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and stitcher if you haven't already please follow our instagram tiktok and facebook pages and we will be back together next week with another episode all right bye bye Thank you.